What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 222. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Spring is finally here. The weather across America is getting hotter. Politics in America is also heating up. And the war in Ukraine is getting hotter than ever. And our independent movement continues to heat up too. And from Texas to Ukraine to Pennsylvania, this spring is definitely a time to stay vigilant. Jet 24 Action News is your local election headquarters. Independent voters could eventually be able to participate in Pennsylvania's primary elections. Two state senators now introducing legislation to repeal closed primaries. Some say open primaries in Pennsylvania could be a good thing for democracy. Others strongly disagree. Yes, others strongly disagree. The others are party bosses and hacks who want to keep the public funding of private elections. Partisans and hacks who believe independent veterans in Pennsylvania, like Vietnam vet and Super Bowl champion Rocky Blyer, should not be allowed to vote in state primaries without joining their corrupt team. Most Americans and most Pennsylvanians support open primaries. It's the two-party duopoly bosses who see their stranglehold on our politics and on state and federal funding of their closed elections at risk. They're the ones that strongly disagree. They don't want independents to vote in primaries and offset the power of the Republican and Democratic Party. They want to shut us out while still using government buildings, government workers, and government funds to make it all happen. We all pay taxes. But only Republicans and Democrats see the benefits of those tax expenditures on primaries. Messed up, isn't it? Un-American, isn't it? You betcha. But that party stranglehold in Pennsylvania and nationwide is under attack. And it's loosening. And Pennsylvania is a hot and heating up ground zero for this fight for open primaries and for our independent movement. A movement that simply believes every American should have the right to vote in a primary, including the tens of millions of Americans who consider themselves unaffiliated or without a party. That group that's now 49% of American voters and rising. 
So in Pennsylvania, Senate Bill 400 has been introduced to open the primaries to over 1.1 million voters in that state who are shut out of the primaries that their taxes pay for. And Republican State Senator Dan Laughlin and Democrat State Senator Lisa Bascola are introducing legislation that would finally allow independents to participate in the primaries. Now, this is a big move. And if you're in Pennsylvania, you need to call your state senator today and tell him or her to support Senate Bill 400. You can go to legis.state.pa.us, find out who your state senator is, and tell them to stand with democracy, stand with fairness, and tell them that open primaries will empower independence across Pennsylvania. And it's good for our democracy. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. This is a no-brainer that's best for all Americans. And for more on this important battle to open primaries in Pennsylvania, go back and hear episode 209 of this show from February with the great legendary Rocky Blyer, who's continuing to push along with a group called Ballot PA, our friends at Open Primaries, and others. And check out the link to that in the show notes. This is not a small fight. This is not an unimportant fight. And this is not just for political wonks or nerds or media people. This is a below-the-radar fight that is key to protecting and improving our democracy at a time when our democracy is under attack and the stakes have never been higher. Yep, stakes is high and getting higher. And I'll have more on the state of the independent movement and why a new effort by a mysterious group you may have heard of called No Labels to create an alternative and so-called unity ticket for the 2024 presidential election could be the worst thing for independence in a generation. We've got a great returning guest to help us dig into it. And we're also going to talk about John Wick, Keanu Reeves for governor, and a whole lot more. But first, there are some issues that need your attention, that need your vigilance, and need to be on your radar. The weather across America is heating up this May. Maybe too much. But is the economy? Our guests coming up and I are going to debate that. Because there's breaking news this week that U.S. employers added 250,000 jobs in April, which is an upswing in hiring that confounded predictions of an economy that was slowing down. Now, for me, I don't care how many headlines I see like this or how many times Biden says the economy is good. The economy does not feel and look strong to me and to most working people around me. And prices are out of control. That's what Americans feel the most. From the price of coffee to the price of milk to the price of childcare to the price of diapers to the price of college to the price of your phone bill. That's what people are feeling right now, especially after the years of pandemic stress. And related this week, the official end of the nation's COVID public health emergency has been declared. So congratulations. The war is finally over. Good job, everybody. We won, which we haven't been able to say about a war 
in about a generation. And some post-war changes are coming. Now, COVID's still a significant problem, but the emergency part of this is over. So we're going to be living in a way where we're treating COVID like the flu. But our federal government is no longer going to buy up tests or vaccine doses and give treatments out to the American public for free. The health insurance system is going to take over. So we're all going to have to cross our fingers for that. So you're going to have to go to the doctor, get a prescription, maybe pay a copay when it comes to anything COVID testing and treatment related, just like you do for other stuff. There's going to be other changes. COVID data tracking is going to be scaled way back. You're probably not going to be hearing about it in the news as much. Vaccines, tests, and treatment emergency use is going to continue. And the money is ending, which is significant to organizations nationwide, like My Kids Public School, which is going to see a very significant reduction that the principal can't even quantify yet. So the war may be over, but our need to be vigilant remains. But the war is over. So congratulations, everyone, for real. We all sacrificed. We all stepped up, or at least most of us did. And as with any war, it's important to remember how many died. Over 1.1 million Americans have died from COVID. And like at the end of any war, we cannot forget the fallen. So we're remembering all those who've fallen. Meanwhile, not falling, Trump's approval numbers. Even though he has been found liable in the case against E. Jean Carroll for sexual abuse, forcible touching, willful and wanton negligence, defamation, false statements, malicious intent, injury for defamation, acting maliciously. Trump was found liable for all of that. He was not found liable for rape. A jury has awarded Carroll $5 million in damages. This is important for Carroll and for victims everywhere. And it is a significant dent on Trump, but not on his poll numbers, where before this happened, he was still up over Biden by seven. Also in the news regarding corruption and politicians, New York Republican Representative George Santos has now finally been charged with some stuff. Seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives, and lots of counts of being a liar and an asshole. Now, George Santos will probably end up in jail. I hope. Maybe in a jail cell next to Trump in Guantanamo. A man can hope, right? Well, all this is happening in our political landscape and inside the Republican Party. And coming up, I'll ask our guest why he is still a member of that party that is most known for leaders like Santos and Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Ridiculous and reckless leaders, ridiculous spokespeople, ridiculous figures on our political landscape. Speaking of ridiculous, King Charles was coronated this week in the United Kingdom. And most Americans didn't care. But we did care about the carnage that continues here at home. There are more mass shootings, a Texas mass shooting, and it's almost like a daily occurrence now. This is what I expected America to be like after 9-11. When we invaded Iraq, I felt like there might be terrorist attacks all across America in response. And I wondered if I'd feel safer in Iraq than my family did back home. 
That's not how it turned out. But here it is 20 years later, and you might be safer in Iraq than you are in an American public school or an American mall or an American hospital. There was also another shooting in Atlanta that involved a Coast Guard veteran. Yes, he was a veteran. But I want to remind folks that so were many of the people rushing in to help. And I spoke to Marnie Hughes about it for my weekly segment on News Nation. We are waiting for the suspect in this latest shooting in Atlanta to appear in court. He is accused of carrying out a deadly attack inside a medical facility, killing one woman, shooting and injuring four others. We know he is a veteran. He was dealing with some uh, mental health issues, according to his family. Uh, you and I have talked a number of times about vets waiting to see doctors about things that they're going through. Um, I know that there are a lot of details we don't know about this situation, but um, how does this uh, latest incident land with you, uh, a veteran involved? I think it's, it's a terrible tragedy. Uh, I think there are a lot of incidents involving frustrated veterans, but often they hurt themselves. Uh, there are a lot of suicides that we see. There's huge mental health stress. Uh, this is absolutely a tragedy for the entire community. Uh, I think it's important to remember that most veterans are, are doing the right thing or trying to help their communities. And when a situation like this happens, I always remind people that the EMTs, the cops, the nurses that are running in to help those survivors are probably also veterans, many more veterans than just this shooter. But we do need to focus on reforming the VA. We need to break down the bureaucracy and we need to provide urgent mental health care, not just to veterans, but to all Americans. These attacks just keep coming in America and the killing in America continues. Killing continues in Ukraine too. But so does the spring rise in hope thanks to a pending, looming Ukrainian offensive and thanks in part to American support. This week, Ukraine downed its first hypersonic missile with the United States of America Patriot Missile System. It was the first time that Ukraine has been known to have used our Patriot defense systems. And along the way, the U.S. has now announced another package of $1.2 billion in aid. Now, it's more of the same, unfortunately. Drip, drip, drip. I think America needs to give them everything they need. We've talked about it on this show for the last year. But if there was ever a time for America to finally open up the floodgates, it's now. And never forget that Americans are still out there doing their thing in uniform as well. Not inside Ukraine, that we know of anyway, but in countless places around the world. From Alaska to South Korea. There was a recent helicopter crash in Kentucky that took the lives of a number of soldiers and another one in Alaska. And you probably didn't see this, but an F-16 Fighting Falcon assigned to the 8th Fighter Wing at Kusan Air Base in South Korea crashed in an agricultural area about 11 and a half miles from an air base last Saturday. The pilot ejected safely and was transported to urgent care for evaluation. But it's a reminder that American troops continue to be in harm's way, not just in combat, but also in training. And we need them, even when things are quiet here in the U.S. Because this is a wild time, with headlines and bullets flying. Literally. It's a time when the rounds are snapping, the bullets are zipping, the enemies are hunting, the bombs are dropping. And we need leaders who can fight back and move and dodge, and jump, and block, and lead, and inspire, and fight for their dog. Neo from The Matrix was a sci-fi character. 
John Wick is more of a real deal. And we all need to be a bit more like John Wick this May. And our guest is a massive fan of John Wick. He's also a pretty big fan of America. And I am a big fan of him. He's a voice of reason, a patriot, a dad, and a guy who has done his share of shooting and moving politically, to include being one of the very few Republicans at MSNBC. He's a returning guest who always brings the heat. He's our friend, Michael Steele. Michael Steele is a returning guest who also brings light to contrast to heat. You may remember he appeared on this show back in episode 193 in October. He's the former chairman of the Republican National Committee. He's the former lieutenant governor of Maryland, and he served in all levels of elected and government office and is now a political analyst for MSNBC and the host of his own influential podcast. He ran for the Maryland Senate seat in 2016 and is often suggested as a candidate for president. He's also a big John Wick fan, and he's back with me to tear into the latest headlines and chaos in American politics. Now, we share most values, and we tenaciously differ on some issues, and we often butt heads, but it's always respectful. And you've seen us come together on cable TV, and there's never enough time, and it's never truly uncensored. And this conversation is going to be both, and it's fiery, fast, and fun, and I hope we'll leave you smarter and maybe even hopeful. So welcome to a conversation about the battlefield that is American politics and media right now. Welcome to a look inside the action film of America 2023. Welcome to the heat. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 222. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. This is a really crazy time in America, in the world, and especially in our politics and media. And sometimes you might feel like you need to be John Wick to navigate the bullets and the explosions and the threats that are flying all around you. And so we brought back a returning champion, the John Wick of our (laughs) guest network, The great and powerful Michael Steele is back on Independent Americans. Welcome back, sir. 
Dude, I love it. Good to be back in the neighborhood. I, you know, I just, I figured I'd just bring that John Wick vibe to the game because we're going to need that because we're dodging a whole lot of stuff out there. So, right. <laughs> you I need it, brother. I want to get into all of it. Uh, and I'm, I'm anxious to get your thoughts on the politics and the media and the future. Mm-hmm. But we talk about John Wick for folks who may not remember. You were on in October of last year. Yeah. And you explained how your background is the Continental Switchboard from the John Wick movie. That's but it. I don't think I don't think the new John Wick had come out yet at that time. The, no, the new one had no four had not come out yet. Right? So yeah. What do you think? It's 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 uh yeah yeah. It, for those of you who just started with this, um, this is the per- perfect way to end it. Right? It is it is such an incredible franchise. It is a great story, and at the end of the day. It's a, it's a love story about a man and his dog. And that's <laughs> that's when you stop and you peel it back. That's what this whole thing is about. <laughs> they killed the man's dog and all hell was unleashed. <laughs> well, maybe John's, uh, George Santos should have watched that, right? Yeah. Uh, given that we screwed over a vet and his dog. Uh, and spoiler alert, I haven't seen number four yet. I've been saving it because I want to see it in the theater. And right. I have two little kids, so I don't get to go to a theater. I go to <laughs> war zones more often than I go to theaters. So uh, <laughs> it's on the list. But um, I think it's I think it's an incredible franchise. Um, I think it's the, the, the I don't know how to say this, but the violence is beautiful. And like, and the action is artistry on a level that it is really, really, really stunning. Yeah, right? dude, you really put your finger on it. It is. I mean, you, you sit there and you think about the the choreography and the level of elevation of that, you know, the, the scene of, you know, okay, taking out the bad guys. And it is done with a level of sophistication that we just haven't seen in a lot of movies. And you know, Connor Reeves is just, he's just, it's an incredible actor to begin with, but he just brings that, the way he handles the weapon, the way he, I mean, in one hand, you can see there's respect for it. On the other hand, he he absolutely knows how to get the, get the maximum effect from it. And it's just, it's symmetry. It's beautiful, man. I, love I mean, it. look like the, the political parallels on everything from the need for the dynamism of a John Wick to I don't know, maybe Zelensky has been like a political John Wick. Yeah. And then, frankly, on the dark side, the violence that we're seeing in America that sometimes feels like a John Wick movie, right? I mean, it feels yeah. like you're in a, a first-person shooter. I want to talk about all of that, but let me ask you, because you're not actually at the Continental Switchboard, no. uh, where are you and how are you? I am I'm here in my uh, home office uh, here in Maryland and uh, doing well. You know, I... I you know, battle back against the crazy every day. You, you have new levels of stupid that reveal itself. Um, and then, and a lot of that stupid you can anticipate. And then all, and some of, of the rest of it is just shocking. Um, when you hear people react to, you know, obvious points of fact, you know, like in the Eugene Carroll case, uh, the E. Jean Carroll case with um, Donald Trump, to hear Republicans on the back end talk about, oh, well, yeah, the legal system in New York just sucks. You know, like, really? That's your that's your response, because the guy you have whose head, you know, you have your head up his ass with. You're just not you just can't fathom that, you know, a jury of his peers 
could look at the evidence and say, yeah, you, you committed sexual assault. You find, you're more offended by the fact that they convicted them than <laughs> the act itself. And that, to me, is, is one aspect of this that still amazes in some respects, that there is there seemingly no level, PJ, where at least Republican leaders can man up and just say, you know what, this ain't right. And we we can't do this. We we can't do this anymore. I mean, even even in in the in the worst movies ever made, there's a point where the main characters realize we this really sucks. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And there are some movies that are just all about destruction. Yeah. And and there's no plot. There's no yeah. acting. It's just we're going to blow up as much shit as possible. Sure and you I can, right? The part the part of what what the, the the leaders in this party are doing, I think is is strategic. It's not yeah. accidental. Like being devoid of a moral center and attacking institutions that oppose you is a strategy, right? Yeah. Whether whether it's it's the judicial system or now the Pentagon, right? Like there nothing is sacred, but it is a strategy. And I think in some levels it continues to be an effective strategy because it taps into this populism, this fuck the man like kind of attitude that does exist in this country that Trump tapped into very, very deeply right. and continues to tap into. And it's nasty and it's terrible. Let me ask you this, Michael. It feels like things are worse than they've ever been in recent times. Yes. Right? It feels Agreed. like they it feels like they, they are. They, and, and that's because they are. And that's that's my question. Are they? Yes. And and I'm just letting you and, and your listeners know uh, there's more to come. Um, yeah. I said in 2018, um, going into that cycle and certainly heading into the 2020 cycle, that there's more of this to come. We're not through this yet. Um, there is um, uh, a an epidemic of vile, putrid human behavior. Uh, that has uh, overwhelmed our political system. You know, there was a time where our 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 culture and our faith, our community experiences informed our politics. It was from that how we built, you know, policy on some big and gnarly issues. It is how at a time when Republicans and Democrats were at loggerheads during the Clinton years, they could still manage to balance the nation's budget, handle the nation's business. It is how during the Reagan uh, and Tip O'Neill years, they could, you know, deal with global and domestic affairs uh, in a way in which the, the people were at the center of the solution. That, that informed politics is now broken. And what we see is that the corruption within our political system has infected our culture, our, our faith, um, and our community uh, experiences with each other, where we now look at each other as suspects. Yep. I don't like PJ because he's of a different political party or different political view or a different political attitude. Um, even though we're sitting in the same church on Sunday, our kids go to the same schools, we live in the same neighborhoods. Uh, and then you, you begin to disaggregate, uh, the, the various components of the relationship that made it work. Mm. And so when you do that, when I see you less than, 
when I see you uh, and your concerns and interests of no value, this is where we find ourselves. And, and what makes it worse, and one of the big differentiators is the fact that in the past, our political leadership would be the glue that would kind of pull it all back and hold it together, remind us of the value of the proposition of America, right? Remind yep. us of the value of the proposition of a free and open society, a free press, um, you know, voting rights, et cetera. Um, today, our leaders are the ones who are breaking apart the, those relationships. Michael, um, can I, if we're looking at this, like I like to look at it in global, um, almost a global combat scenarios, right? And, right. and if, if the GOP or the Trumpists, as I would call them, or the MAGAists are Putin and Russia, mm -hmm. the Democrats are not Ukraine. The Democrats no. are more like Moldova, right? They're more yes. like Moldova, right? Like we're, we're wishing for them to be Ukraine and we hope that they will be Ukraine, but they are corrupt. They are inept. They are ineffective. And, and I wonder if, if part of what's missing in, especially in the media conversation, in the cable news media conversation is the other alternatives that people are looking for. And you and I have had this conversation and I want to talk about third parties. I want to talk about right. independence and I want to talk about that, but on a very basic level, like you're a Republican on MSNBC, right? Um, you, you know, Democrats love you because you're on MSNBC because they consider you an ally or a friend or at least a reasonable person. Right. But cable news is also falling apart, right? Like the, the, yeah. the audiences oh, are, are coming undone. Um, and I think in some ways that's good for America because I would argue cable news has perpetuated a lot of these divisions. But I go back to the fact that this is also a strategy. Putin wants to see us divided. Our internal enemies and extremists want to see us divided. There are interests that want this to happen. It's not because of some defect or because, you know, they're just not good enough. Like right. it is actually a strategy to destroy and weaken America. So I, I want to ask you, you know, when you sit how do you sit at MSNBC and see this, right? Because it is so polarized and, and you are a bridge builder. You're a great communicator. You're a voice of reason. What's it like to sit there? Because we all want something better. And frankly, we all want something better from MSNBC and from our news right. networks. And we all want something better from our parties. So you're, you're kind of uh, in this rare air where you're a reasonable person, but like so many others, you kind of take what's out there as a way to communicate and get things done. So I know that's, that's a meandering question. No, but no, frankly, I know. What's it I, like to what's it like to be at MSNBC right now when when MSNBC is going further left and getting more narrow? The Democratic Party, you could argue, is going further left at times and maybe getting more narrow. And we've talked about how independents are now 49 percent of the country and rising. Right. Um, talk about what it's like to be you there. Well, the the the, the thing that anchors me is just a, a long time appreciation, uh, evolutionary appreciation of the fact that when I look at America as a whole, uh, what I see is a center right nation. I see a nation that in the main, no matter how you cut it, no matter what part of the country you're in, the most liberal parts of the West Coast or the, or the most conservative parts of the South, at the end of the day, you're going to find a strain uh, of belief that, you know, uh, I want to be able to raise my kids the way I want to raise my kids. I want to be able to go out into the job market, find a job and work and provide for, for my family. I want to be able to run my business and grow my business and uh, begin to develop the American dream. So these aspirational aspects 
of America are, are still constant strains that exist. So looking at it through that frame, I have friends who will say, well, America's center left. And I say, okay, I'll buy the center part. <laughs> well, you'll need to convince me of the left because, you know, you, you've got to, you because every time there is a push and pull in that direction, um, there is an equal and opposite reaction to it, right? And so, you know, folks, and here's, here's a little bit of an interesting kick. A lot of folks think that, you know, for example, gay marriage, the gay marriage issue is a liberal issue. In fact, it isn't. It is actually a conservative issue because it's about the individual freedoms to choose whom they love, right? It's at all, it has very strong libertarian undertones to it. Um, and that the, that the state, has no role in objecting to that relationship, um, just as they wouldn't object to a black man and a white woman getting married um, 50 years ago. Uh, uh, and, and so the realities, the reality of it is the country, from my perspective, as I sit there on set, I try to reflect some of that back in conversations. I try to reflect back what I pick up in my listening uh, to the American people when I travel, the the emails and text messages they send me, uh, and I I do. I mean, I have people send me letters to you know uh, to my office and saying, hey, um, saw the, saw you on air saying this. Um, this is what I think about that. And so all for me is is kind of a learning experience. And this I think at the end is where the networks and other, particularly these so-called independent structures in media get into trouble when they stop listening and learning, mm-hmm. when, they, when they become much more reflective of one view or another. It is the problem with Fox. It is the problem with, at, at MSNBC at times. And is the problem at CNN. CNN is now is trying to remake itself into some conservative Bastion yeah, yeah. by putting by putting these MAGA Republicans on its air, thinking that's what the country is going to buy. Well, they're not going to buy that um, mm-hmm. because you're not listening to what the country is saying. You're listening to one portion of them and thinking that's everybody, and it's not. So I, it's it's at times challenging because we've gotten away from. That's why I love coming on your podcast and podcasts like this. Because we can actually talk about the meat of things. We can t- actually yep. talk about the substance of things as opposed to just de- dealing in the reactionary world of Donald Trump farted today. What do you right. think of that? Right, right, right. And, right. and that's not news. Right. It Let just me, isn't, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Some may think it is, but it ain't. <laughs> so, Michael, this this meat, okay, this is kind of what I'm really interested in probing on this show and with you especially. Like, America's not eating its meat. No. We're getting a lot of candy. We're getting a lot of drugs. We're getting a lot of crack, right? And, and, and that, that middle, whether it's center, left, or right, is underserved, right? right? We're underserved in our politics. We're underserved in our media. We're underserved in our policy. And, and I want to ask you, um, where does this shake out, right? Because Trump is, 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 is you know, now guilty in a civil suit. Um, he could be indicted more times. He could, I think he could be in jail and still get the Republican nomination. We'll see. Yeah. But we are careening toward another Trump-Biden matchup. Right. Um, folks are dissatisfied with that, and I want to talk about your thoughts on the options. But just the prospect of that and the damage it's going to create 
at a time when the country is so divided and those media networks are struggling for ad revenue and, and, and a fight is in their interest. Right. Um, and, and the political industrial complex is going to ramp itself up and, and, and feed into this epic clash between these two old guys that reminds me of that old Genesis video of like land of confusion when Reagan and <laughs> Gorbachev are like beating each other up. In right. Right. But, but I think there's, there's, there's a more serious question about like, I think the Democrats are more out of touch than they ever understand. And I think you probably feel that yeah. way. I hear Biden's yeah. new presidential message leading with the economy. What fucking country do they live in? <laughs> like coffee, milk, everything is expensive, right? People are getting laid off everywhere. Nobody can pay their bills. Credit card is out of, are, are out of control. And they want to lead with the economy and say, look at how great it is. It just cuts to the core for me about how out of touch the Democrats are. And now they've got their culture wars, right? They're right. going to talk about trans bans. They're going to talk about gay rights. They're going to talk about guns, which is a reasonable issue to talk about, but it comes off as a culture war in my view. So we're at this epic clash again, that's already pretty much set unless one of them gets sick or dies which could happen and I think is still something to consider because that would be the ultimate disruption to either or both parties in this entire landscape. But this, this die is cast now, right? It's the two of them. Yeah. Uh, unless you, you know, last time we talked about DeSantis, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's folding for him, right? And Trump is getting stronger as we've seen before. Right. And when I go out in the streets and talk to people who don't watch MSNBC, Trump's still got a lot of support and maybe even more so there's a lot of hatred for the Democratic brand. And there's hatred for Joe Biden, whether it's deserved or not. That's a carryover for the hatred from Nancy Pelosi and the hatred from Hillary Clinton and the hatred from Bill. It just compounds into that voting populace. So I guess what, what I'm saying but, is um, we're, we're going to get another shitty set of options, right? Yeah, so yeah, but, point, yeah but these are, but okay, so I, you've put a lot there and I'm going to try to unpack it, but I'll, I'll start by unpacking it this way. What are you bitching about? I'm bitching about the fact that our political system is failing our democracy. Yeah. While our democracy is under attack. But who controls that outcome? Who ultimately controls that outcome? Because the founders made it very clear who controls that outcome. Okay. We do. Yes. And we hey, the you people. and I are here. You and I we, are here right now. No, so I'm just I'm, saying, I'm, but we the people, the 330 people. I get the analysis. And this so, is a conversation so, wait a minute, I've had me, with. But let me finish the point. Can I, can I ask the question, though? Let me, sure. let me. Here's the question I want to ask you, right? You're a strategist. You have a great feel. You have a great gut. You understand John Wick and you understand the debt ceiling, right? You know, uptown, downtown, everywhere in between. Right. You understand the problem very well. And I think a lot of people understand the problem very well. I've had, you know, Andrew Yang has been on here to talk about right. how the forward party is the solution. What do you see as a solution? What are the solutions to this problem that we is failing up. our country? Sorry? We grow up. We yeah, grow what does that look stop. like? What does we that look stop. like? We grow up and stop being so pissed at everything. Yeah, but what that's you, nice. What, but but like, wait a minute. I wait, love, no, no, no. You got to stop. But you can't, you can't get to a solution when you're angry. You can't get to a solution. Yeah. It's like two, it's like two, a couple and the wife and the husband or the husband and the husband and the wife and the wife. I don't care what the makeup of the family is, right? If they have a fight and they, and they don't deal with what's making them angry in the first instance, they're not going to solve that problem. Yeah. You're just not. So I, I wanted to, what you, I mean, you just laid this laundry list of stuff that was, you know, that people are angry about. Um, 
using jobs, for example, we the, the country just created three hundred and twenty thousand jobs. People last don't month. feel that, but they oh, how many how many layoffs happened? Wait a minute, how many but layoffs that's my point. But that's time. my point. Yeah. People don't feel that. Well, what what am I supposed to feel if I'm going to work and you're not going to work? Why am I pissed if I have a job and you don't? Look, I'm, here's what I'm saying, Michael, is that I, I don't think that is a winning strategy for Joe Biden. And I don't think that that, is, that shows a Democratic Party that's in it. Touch, won, it won right? for him in 2022. OK. And, and, and if it he thinks it, maybe to- maybe it'll win for him again. I don't think I, so would, me, if I would Joe so- Biden. I would not lead with the economy and covid, which is what he's leading with which is not, in my view, going to attract a lot of independent Americans. I don't think it's going to be convincing. And what I'm asking you, Michael, is I get, I get what you're saying. And you, we're in heated agreement on a lot of this. Like, I would like people to be less angry. I would like eating cupcakes to make you skinny. But you but like, can't. What, but you can't. What are the strategic angry. things? Like, what are you? You're investing your time. I, can, in, I in can't. Media. I can't get to the strategy because I, there are too many, too many roadblocks. The but then that's given up. Then that's given no, up. No, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. That's why I take on the party leadership because that's the roadblock. That's you are angry because someone keeps telling you you should be pissed. Well, no, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I am angry because I have a right to be angry. And because I feel angry. I'm not, right? It's no, like saying no. to, to use your point, right? The couple's fighting, right? And they're angry. And you're saying, stop being angry. But their house is in foreclosure. Their kids are getting shot in schools. You know, they're they're worried about uh national but that, security. But that's not, but that PJ, that is not happening for the main the mainstream of, of America. That's just not the case. You think that most of America is not- good. Most that of is, no, good. I'm not saying that all of America is good, but you you're creating this. You're you're saying that the country is in this this hell hellscape, and that's just not that's just not objectively true. It just isn't. Now, I narratively, think- narratively, you can you can feel a certain way. You can you can look at something and think something about it, but the re, the the objective reality is unemployment is the lowest it's been since 1969. That means there are more Americans working today than ever before. But is that an accurate metric anymore? Is that an accurate metric anymore? Why does it stop becoming a a good metric? Is that more important than prices? Is that more important than prices? Prices are coming down. Gas is not $7 a gallon anymore. Gas across the street from my house was gas across the street from my house a year ago was almost six bucks. You know okay. what it is today? And what's what's milk cost? No, no, no. What's, what's coffee cost? What's let rent me, cost? What's what taxes? What are your taxes look like? My taxes right? haven't gone up in my neighborhood, in my community. Because you're in a nice neighborhood. No, no, no. All the more reason to raise taxes, right? But but no tax, one will. No but one no, will. but no one's raised. No, no one's in the state of Maryland has raised taxes yet. There's been no okay. tax increases. I mean, where, where, where have, where have we seen um, taxes go up on 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 families uh, across the country? I haven't seen. I think it's. Cum- I think. I think taxes is a great example. I think it's cumulative. Like I'm a New Yorker. I, mean, I live in New York. Talk- I pay taxes, taxes in New York. I have a business in New York. You want to see? You want to feel taxes in New York and California, and see why people move to Texas and Florida? Start a business. But wait a right? minute. But, but, Payroll but taxes, yes. state taxes, city taxes, insurance did they, taxes. Did they increase those taxes last year? I, whether they increased or not, they're cumulative. They're just high. Oh, but, but they're just wait, high. That's my point. They're they, just high. If, wait a minute. Hold up, bro. If the rate now is the same as it was four years ago, what are you complaining about? Because credit card, because lending rates are higher. 
Costs okay, more to have a credit the, card. Now mortgage you, mortgage rates are higher. That's right? true. So Everybody's you, running up more debt. Childcare costs are higher. But childcare right? costs have always gone up. They've Not gone the, up every the, year. This is there's no difference between college is more expensive. That's right? all that's nothing new. That nothing oh, new. College expenses are definitely new. College college expenses went up during the Trump era just as they're going up during the Bush times. Okay, so I let mean, me the, maybe let me walk it back. Right? Let me let me let me walk it back and, and ask you this. Like what I'm getting at is because on some levels, I feel like these are kind of talking points for the Democratic Party. Right? No. Your argument is that things are good in America? That surprises me. Arguing that things are good in America. I'm arguing that things aren't as objectively bad as you're being told they are. That's my whole point. It depends but, on who you are, and it depends on who's no, doing the telling. It depends on who you are. It depends on who you're listening to. It depends on how you put it all together. My whole thing is, look, objectively speaking, I... There was a period when interest rates went up. Interest rates are now coming down. When when inflation was up, mortgage I mean, rates just went up. I I didn't mean I meant it. I meant inflation. I meant inflation. Not Inflation's down. The Fed rate just raised rates. Yeah, right. So the Fed's just raised rates, which is why the interest rates, which is why inflation is coming down. Right. That's part of the game. That's part of the narrative. I mean, yeah. And if you're trying to buy right. a house right now, mortgage just got more expensive, and your credit that, card that's, rates went up. That's that's very true. That's very true. But you know what? People are still buying houses. You know what? Because happened? there's a housing shortage. Can I, can I just can I just say something to you? Yeah. For all the bitching and moaning about gas prices last year, you know what? You know what? You know what the evidence showed? Objective evidence from Pew to other research institutions. People didn't change their behaviors. People still went on vacations. They still drove their cars. They paid them. They paid. They factored. They figured out. How to but Michael manage- gas prices gas prices is last year's argument. Okay, if I'm Trump, I come out and say, no, listen, I'm just so talking about what's How next. Gas right? you I didn't say gas prices. Gas prices are still killing people. I didn't say gas prices. I'm you not said- saying gas prices. I'm saying I'm saying there are pri- food food prices, childcare prices, housing prices. Those are the things that people are feeling right now, in my view. And what I, I want to come back gas to- prices too. They're feeling this. I mean this. Look, it's, you can't different. You I just think they are feeling. I think they are feeling everything. Out, because I still, so my, is, I still got to drive my kid to little league. Is the solution? Is the is what you're saying? The solution to this moment and this situation is Joe Biden. No, what I'm and what's saying the solution? Is the solution to the situation is to objectively understand what's happening. I think at the end, the American people do. I'm going to tell you why. Because the exact same conditions existed, but they were worse in 2022. And everyone, everybody in media, including my network, except for me, was screaming, oh, this big red wave was coming. And I was like, hmm. I don't think so. You know why? Because I think people ultimately are going to disaggregate the way they feel from the way they vote. Right? Okay. And that and and that's exactly what they did. Yes, Joe Biden's numbers going into 2022 should have been a complete and utter wipeout for Republic for for Democrats. It wasn't. No one is bothered to step back and ask, well, why did that happen? Well, the voters told you why, because at the end of the things, while all the stuff you mentioned in 2022 were valid and important for those folks from how much they paid for childcare to the cost of buying a new home. There were other things that they factored in as well that made a difference in their ultimate decision on who they were going to support. And so that's what I'm looking at. I'm not discounting the economic argument. 
I don't have an issue with Biden leading with the economic argument as long as he knows how to make the case. And I would argue Democrats effectively don't know how to message shit. So Mm -hmm. that may not be a good idea. We agree wholeheartedly on that one. All right. So, so, and again, I'm not, I'm not sitting up here beating a drum for (laughs) Joe Biden and Democrats. I'd love to see a strong Republican nominee come out with a, with a, a, an anchor um, in in the traditions of the country with an eye on the future of where this, what this nation is going to be. But we're not getting that from the Republican Party. I think we're, yeah, not, yeah. we're not going to get yet. Yeah, I, that, I don't know. That when takes me where it. I want to go, though, because I think I think I think we're getting toward the overlap area where you and I are, are in alignment on a lot of things. I mean, and we're in alignment on this piece. You I know. Well, my 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 view on, on the Biden Trump thing is different. In my view, I think people decided that weak and out of touch and incompetent was was less worse than crazy, dangerous, and corrupt. And I think that's where they are right now. Like, they'll look at Biden and say, yeah, they're both old, but this guy's raping women and colluding with the Russians and laundering money, and this guy's old and out of touch. So two shitty options. I'm taking the less shitty. I think that's really the calculation. I and think I think a lot of people... And we know a lot of people just don't vote at all and just complain and scream at their television. But I think... The, the need for the structural reform is is very urgent, I think, on things like open primaries and ranked choice voting and better <laughs> candidates. And so this only happens because the GOP is disintegrated or corrupted in the way it has become. And so I asked you this back in October, and I'll ask you this again. They're trading on your name. Every day you're on TV talking about how fucked up the Republicans are, but you're still one of them. Yeah. So at, at what point do they lose you? And what point do you say, enough, I just won't give you my family name. I won't allow them to put Republican under Michael Steele because I'm so ashamed of what that word has been connected to. It's, it, that's a personal struggle. It's one that I've struggled with for quite some time now. Um, but I've been a, Repu- a Republican since 1976. I've, I've been here uh, toiling in this vineyard when it was just a handful of us. It was the least popular thing you could do in politics. It was absolutely not the best solution for anyone's political future to be a black Republican back in the day. Um, But I figured out um, that what I valued was, which is why I call myself a Lincoln Republican, I valued the ideal that Lincoln ascribed to this party, uh, that Frederick Douglass ascribed to this party, um, around the idea of individual rights and freedoms. That, for me, is the cornerstone. We can bitch and moan and groan about but abortion. that's dead, and, Michael. That's so a, dead now. That's not what this is anymore. It's gone. Well, that's my point. That's yeah. my point. I don't think it is, for me at least at this point. I think it is still worth making the case and holding up the mirror to the party and saying, look at what you're becoming. Okay. Right? This is inconsistent with who you say or claim you are. Now, there's only so much you can, uh, so long you can hold that mirror up because they they keep hitting it and breaking it, right? Yeah. Um, but then I ask myself, okay, where do I go from there? Well, I, this is part of what I I, I will challenge because you there consider, is there right? is no active independent space to land but, in with political structure that actually is going to amount to anything other than yeah. But you, but like with all, I have a lot of respect for you, and I and I think that you are a really important leader, and I feel like you're there's a, there's a dam, okay? Like 
Kinzinger, you, Cheney, we could, we could list off the names. And nobody wants to be first, right? Nobody wants to say, I'm leaving. Just, I don't have a better place to go. A lot of folks but have but left. I'm, but I'm all right. But, about? but, and I've, I've asked this of Kinzinger, I've asked this of others. At what point do you leave? Does it become a bridge too far? And it seems like a lot of folks said, if Trump gets the nomination again. So if he gets the nomination again next summer, you're still going to be a Republican. I'll see. After says, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say yes or no to that today. We'll see. I just we'll think see. that they're trading on your name, we'll right? Like, well, like they, 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 they look may, more reasonable when guys like may, you are still trading. But who's trading on my name? The Republican Party. No, they're not. The Republicans they can can't say. Stand they can me. say. Look at Michael Steele. They can't He's a Republican. Me. They but they can say collectively. Me. Collectively, when Republicans look up, and I'm a Republican watch TV watch, I look up and say, you know, Michael Steele's still there. Liz Cheney's still there. Adam Kinzinger's still there. They're still fighting the good fight on the inside, so I'm going to stay. Well, right? and so so if that happens, what my my admonition to thee or, or 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 plea to that individual is, then stand with me and make a good noise and stand with me and fight. Stand with me and and publicly say this isn't this isn't right. I'm tired. I got tired a long time ago of having conversations with Republicans on the Hill who quietly told me how frustrated and angry they were with Donald Trump, but then wouldn't go stand in front of a bank of microphones and say that publicly. I get it. So, so, you know, there, there is that piece. My, my own political journey is my journey. It is nobody else's. No one in this party was there the day I signed the dotted line to become a Republican and no one in this party gets to decide when I leave. Right. So all this bullshit with, you know, central committees and state parties, you know, censoring and throwing Liz Cheney out and Adam Kinzer, y'all can kiss my ass because that that shit don't mean nothing. In fact, you do that to me, then it's game on, baby. You thought you didn't like me then. Wait till what you get now. So the reality of it is I get to I get to be the author of me, not you, not anyone else. And so. That's been my approach in politics. Yes, there is a point. And I know in my heart and my head where that point is, right? Um, and I'll know it when I get there. Between now and that point, I continue to fight for the things that I value and believed as a Republican. The things that drew a 17-year-old kid to say, hey, all my friends are over there, but I'm going to stand here I got on it. the playground and, I got and, make, the, and make the case. Um, the easy thing to do, PJ, is, is to give up and to leave and to throw stones at it. The hardest thing to do is to stay in and try to, try to correct the course. I, may, uh, I, along with others, may fail miserably, and some will say you already have failed miserably. The hardest thing actually to do, in my view, is to leave and start something else with no net. That's actually harder than staying inside where you have a degree of respect, you have a degree of traction. Like in some levels, when I hear, yeah, I mean, I, I see that. Hear me like when I was in the seminary, the hardest. I, I think, I think there's a, I think there's a generational component here. We're like, on some level, you guys are like Brooklyn Dodgers fans. Like the team left, and you're still there trying to hold that mantle. And the new generation is really what I'm looking at, right? And I'm looking at like the younger generation that's that, that that doesn't remember when you were in office, that knows you from television, Kinzinger, Cheney, all of them. And they're just looking for something else. Now, it doesn't mean you have to start a third party. It, they're looking to you all for moral guidance, for leadership, for an example. And, and it takes me to, back to Maryland to ask you, Larry Hogan has been rumored as a, as a presidential candidate. 
He said he, he won't run. But now No Labels is pushing their agenda again to get this uh, unity ticket that is led by co-chairs Joe Lieberman and Larry Hogan. Right. So what do you think as a person that is looking for better about specifically, because I think I think in many ways, No Labels has given independence a bad name because what they're creating, no matter what they say, is kind of a spoiler. And especially they don't say who their candidates will be, which is bullshit in my view, right? But let's assume it is Joe Lieberman and Larry Hogan because they're running this. They're the most likely. If Joe Lieberman or Gary Hogan. It'll be more Larry Joe Manchin and Larry Hogan than Joe Lieberman and Larry Hogan. Maybe. But what if, if, if a combination of those decide to jump in, who are you going to support? Uh, I, I had no idea at that point. I, I, I agree with you. I think the, the no labels move is problematic on, on many levels um, for this upcoming election. The idea that you think you're just going to wait and sort of, you know, see how it plays out with the Democrats and Republicans. Well, we know what how that's going to play out. Um, like say, already- we're going to draft a quarterback, but we're not going to tell you who it is. Right. Not- right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it, it, it's it's not it is not a good day in the neighborhood when that happens. Um, I, I don't see I, I don't see the the I don't see that helping. uh, uh anybody but uh but Trump at this point largely because of how how the political structures are aligned on the ground across the country mm. and it advantages the advantage is to republicans um at that level and so i just don't think there's going to be there's enough peel off of of independents and and center right center left democrats uh, that creates uh, a, a much uh, opportunistic lane for 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 Trump and whoever his running mate is. Yeah. So I have a real problem with that. Um, I think I for me, I, I don't like to conjecture about something un- until I see it begin to take shape and I understand exactly how it's structured and what it looks like. Um, and and so if and I have not had, conversations uh with Larry uh at that level I've had conversations with him about the open seat here in the U and for the US Senate in Maryland mm-hmm. had conversations with him about an initial presidential run um as I've had with some others um but I have not I've not sort of talked about the no label piece so I don't have a full appreciation of what he appreciates mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. that Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I'm kind of reserving judgment, but I'm, I'm, I'm reserving judgment as I stand with you on that I issue. That. I, I just, I, I continue to say that there is an opportunity for independent candidates. Candidates there who say, is. I am independent. Now it might there be, is. I don't think at the national level, the only, it, it will serve as a spoiler in this time, but there is an opportunity to run a hundred independent candidates in a hundred local races and maybe 10 or 15 win. Right. And and in a state like Maryland, if Larry Hogan had run as an independent against Wes Moore, that versus as a Republican, he might've done a whole lot better. Who knows? Right. right? But there is an opportunity for local races, governors, Senate, congressional races, dog catcher, people who just say, Hey, I'm no party at all. I am truly a free agent. And I think it's really has to be defined by leaders. So I'm hoping that people will jump in. 
not at the national level. I hope that we can get that structural reform in place at the local level for open primaries I, to make it viable for independence, right? I agree with you a thousand percent. Yep. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. Um, you, I've, I've said for 25 years now, um, particularly after I went back and looked at the Ross Perot race, that you will never crack that nut by running for president. You crack that nut by running uh, somebody for county executive, for mayor, for municipal leader, for you know state legislative uh, offices. Um, it has to be. It's it's organically built from the bottom up. Yep. Because what you're ultimately doing, PJ, is you're changing voter behavior. Right. And you cannot you cannot do that if you uh, just sort of paper over current voter behavior. Uh, and don't change it. They're going to revert to type. They're going to revert to yep. patterns that they're yep. familiar with. You need to give them um, someone else to look at at a in a different way um, and do so in which they feel a connection that they're willing to risk what their mom and their daddy told them and how their mom and their daddy raised them politically. Um, because right. everyone, you've all heard it before, you know, oh, my God, if I vote for Republican, my daddy would turn over in his grave. Well, yeah, that's because well, daddy is still, we need, you know, we need you know? expansion teams. There was a time when the Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic were new. Right. Like right. there was a time when, in, in my life when, when there were new things. And I think that people can't wrap their heads around, you know, um, you know, not being Brooklyn Dodgers fans anymore until the Brooklyn Nets exist. Like that wasn't on the on, on the landscape before. And, and now it is so. I, I know I got to let you go, but let me ask you for another check in on Maryland. Last time we talked in October, Westmore uh, had you know been elected or was about to be elected. You said, wait and see. I think he's on a tear. I think he, he's putting up numbers. I think he's coming fast, like we talked about last mm -hmm. time. I think he is a, a, a almost inevitable Democratic candidate for president. It's just a matter of how soon. If something like Joe Biden gets sick, or then I think he's at the front of the pack among the top five very quickly. People are saying he could run in two, in 2028 or or maybe after that. What's your updated assessment of, of where Wes is right now? You know, I mean, Wes has gotten through his first uh, legislative session. Um, there were some successes there. Um, there's still ongoing economic issues to your broader point about the economy. Um, and that is no different in Maryland than it is anywhere else. So we can't sit there and go that, you know, the, the, the landscape that you describe is necessarily true here as well. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. I think I, and I, I've always felt this way because I've seen what it does. I think conversations about being president, uh, are not only uh, pre premature, they're ill-advised um, because it reminds me of the fact of, of, a, of a papal conclave. There's always the men who go in a pope and come out a cardinal. Mm. And um, that's Wes's problem. Mm. Everyone sees him as president, but you got to, you got to, you got to do the job in front of yeah. you first. Yeah. Um, so my recommendation is continue to do the job in front of you. Um, and if you do that well enough that you can then elevate that to, because remember, he ain't the only one who's going to be a player in the next round, right? You know, governor Shapiro in, in Pennsylvania is 
as much, if not more, of a star than Wes Moore is right now in some respects. I don't buy that. With all due respect, I don't. Well, buy it. I just I'm Democrats not on Shapiro. <laughs> and, and well, Democrats, I, I I don't know. You're not if you're a Democrat, then you can have some say in that. The Democrats I talk to, that's what I'm hearing. So that, that's um, fun to play. Though it's a fun game for us to play. It's a point. it's a fun game to play. In other words, you know, you don't know how these landscapes play out because put it this way. Pennsylvania's a bigger a bigger piece in the political puzzle than Maryland. So mm-hmm. being the governor of Pennsylvania has a lot more value politically yeah, than being yeah. the governor of, of Maryland. That's my only point. Yeah. That's how they're looking at it. Yeah. Um, and so the reality of it is uh, both of these individuals, not to mention, um, you know, other governors uh, and, and uh, elected officials who are out there, Uh, are all going to reshape that political landscape on the Democratic side. The question becomes for Republicans is how and who reshapes that landscape on the on the GOP side. And do we allow that to happen? Are we so are we so locked in on all things Trump that even when Trump is not there, that's still the only game that we can play? And that's going to be an interesting test. I think it, it cuts to maybe the, the two things that I see as, as as maybe not understood and explored enough. Number one, people are sick of Trump and Biden. They're sick of Trump and Biden and, and they're starved for leadership that is new, that is that is pragmatic, that feels exciting, that feels next generation, whether it's Shapiro or West. Can I ask you West. a question, though? Yeah. When, yeah. Did, when did they get sick of Trump and, and Biden? Oh, I think most of them were sick of them before the last election. So then why did they nominate them? Because it's always, it's like, it's, it's what we got. It's like, okay, oh, this is what you got. No, no it wasn't no, no. what you got. I, I, I you think, had, I think, look, had, wait I, a think, minute. No, look, no, 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 Like, See, again, hold on, let me answer your question. So, so with the, the, the Democratic Party, none of them, in my view, could have beaten Trump. Like, it was Biden. It's what you, like, it was Biden versus Bernie you know or Buttigieg or Klobuchar. You, you can't like, prejudge an election before it happens. What do you mean none of them could have beaten Trump? You can't, you can't prejudge the outcome. Okay. Of, hey, you, I you, think, look. Wait a minute. Can I ask you a question? You can was, ask me any was, question was, you want. Was Mage, was Mage the, the favorite in the Kentucky Derby? Because no one thought Mage could win the Kentucky Derby. But they ran the race. This is not the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby is so much more fair and unpredictable than American politics. Like, here's what I'm telling you: Biden (laughs) and Trump are 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 the brand right now, right? And I think the disruption. There's a hunger for new leadership. There's a hunger for a next generation of leadership. Whether it's whether it's AOC or it's DeSantis or it's Wes Moore, I think this is true. And and I will tell you this. And here's the disruption nobody's planning for. Any day we could wake up and one of them could be dead. They're both old. Neither one of them are in great health. Stop it with the ageism. No, it's not. It's a reality. It's a reality. We could not be here tomorrow morning. Every every day in Ukraine. Hold on. Every day in Ukraine, they wake up and say, you know, Zelensky could die. What are we going to do? That's that's proper leadership planning to assume what you do if the current leader is out. And I don't think that people are being responsible enough, frankly, in their self-exploration about what they would do if they're gone. They're so used to the two of them being there. And what's really going to happen, and the real opportunity for, for independence, for new candidates, is when the two of them are off the board. No, it's and that not. could happen very quickly. It could happen in the next year and a half. And then we're going to see real political chaos. Right, well, well, And then maybe you'll be in charge of the Republican Party. No, that won't happen again. That won't happen again. But the reality, the reality is... It ain't happening. I, 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 don't, I don't accept your underlying... Uh, uh, 
thesis um, because I I put the onus where I believe the onus was placed uh, over over almost what, 200 and plus years ago when the founders gave us the power. Uh, and we we have been irresponsible in that. Um, we have set up a political system which we have which we then disengage from and then bitch about the outcome. I'm like, well, okay, how many how many of you actually voted in the Republican primary? How many of you actually voted in the Democratic primary? Go back and look at the percentages. About thirty percent. The I'm not allowed base. to vote in the primaries. I'm an independent. Well, you're not, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm so we're still tens of millions of other Americans. In these primaries, 60 to 7% of eligible voters didn't vote. So then they bitch about the result. Who won the primary? Well, if you didn't want Donald Trump or Joe Biden, get your lazy ass up and go to the polls and vote. Don't sit back and bitch later on about yeah. the outcome when you didn't participate in the but game. Michael, like the only thing more American than action movies is bitching about stuff. So, like, Americans are always going to bitch about politics. They're always going to bitch about the. It's kind of that's, well, that's, that's part is, of you can, you part can, of what we feel empowered to do. Well, participate. That I'm sorry, bitching does not excuse. Hey, I'm here. I'm here participating with you. you I think are, anyone but, listening is participating with you. And this is where I, why I think these conversations are important. You're talking to a lot of people that that, that you're right. You're right about all that. None of them are watching ESPN, uh, watching MSNBC. They're watching ESPN, or they're watching they're watching nothing to do with. You're right. You are absolutely right in what you're saying. But those people aren't watching what you're talking about. They're not watching but this show right now. It doesn't matter what they watch; it's what they know. They grew up in this country. They've seen elections. They they're not they're just land from Mars and like, oh my God, what is this well, political process? Here's what I'll tell oh, you. Let if me you just run, watch if you, run, you run for something or you're in charge of the Republican Party, a lot more of them will be involved. A lot more of them will have trust and faith <laughs> That's in the why system. I love you, PJ. You're yeah, I appreciate you, brother. I really I do. Got, I, and I want to let you go. I thank <laughs> you for all of your time and your tenacity and 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 straight up. Like you're 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 speaking truth. And and you're doing it. I don't want to say behind enemy lines, but definitely behind like occupied territory. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I mean, MSNBC is is a fucking shit show. And I say that as a guy who's on it all the time. You right. know, I mean, it's it's madness. But I think you're. I'm glad you're hosting. Can I say that? I'm yeah. glad you're hosting more often. I think that gives me some hope. I mean, it's one of the few things I'll watch over there is if you're hosting. And I, and I am rooting for you and I'm rooting for anybody that is reasonable and, and, and has a pure intent. And I also am rooting for you to declare your independence and leave the Republican Party. Well, I, I'm closer to that than you may realize, my friend, number one. And number two, I appreciate you. I, I have, I have uh, grown very fond of you, watching you, listening to you. Um, appreciate it when you're on the air. Uh, it just, it's just, it's fresh. Um, it's honest. And, and I think your listeners to your podcast and those who see you on my network and other networks really begin to get an appreciation that there are some good people out here in this country who are just trying to help us get it right. And you're one of those, one of those good people who are doing that every day. So I, I, I love the conversation. I don't want folks to get it twisted. That back and forth between PJ and myself just now, that was all good. That was good love. That it's was hashing it out. That's what we should be doing as a country is hashing it out instead of looking for ways to kill each other metaphorically and 
otherwise. And so I just think I just think uh, what you're doing is much appreci- much appreciated by me and a whole lot of people out there. Well, that means a lot to me. I have a lot of respect and admiration for you. And, and maybe we can be absolutely united on an independent campaign for Keanu Reeves. We pick, pick <laughs> done. I don't know what, what his home state. He used to live in my building so he could run for governor and he would definitely beat Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin. Yeah. That's the kind of independent. You want to talk about independent candidates? Just let somebody poll that. Poll that and see if Keanu Reeves ran against Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin. I said this to Sarah Jessica Parker when she was on our show. If she ran for mayor, she'd crush people. Like yeah. there's a lot of folks out there that people might scoff at. They did that to Ronald Reagan. They did that sure to did. Torah. They did that to a lot of other folks. And 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 anyway, Keanu for governor. It made sense. <laughs> Done. Thank you, my friend, for all you do. Uh, thank you. Thank Stay you. Stay vigilant, bro. sir. All righty. I love Michael Steele. Maybe the two of us can take this little conversation and tour on the road. Let us know what you think about that. But he's an example of how the helpers are out there. Michael Steele is one of them. And you should check him out on Twitter, watch him on MSNBC, and subscribe to the Michael Steele podcast, which I'll link to in the show notes. And while you're at it, encourage him to leave the GOP, declare his independence, and join us. Because he's a helper, and we need all the helpers we can get especially right now. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines, because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. While you're online, of course, check the hashtag, look for the helpers on social media and share your examples of people who are out there helping. Look for the helpers. They are out there and there are none bigger than the mothers. Mother. Tell your children not to look my way Tell your children not to hear my words What they mean, what they say Mother Mother So this weekend, for Mother's Day, we salute the ultimate helpers, all the moms. So big shout out to all the moms out there and to my mom, to my stepmom, to my sister-in-law, and most of all, to my wife. You are all true examples of what we all need right now and always and what our children need especially. You are the truest and most pure helpers of all. You are what a helper looks like. We love you. We appreciate you. We are inspired by you and we salute you. So if you're on social media, share your stories of mothers that inspire you with me. And while you're at it, play Guess the Guest every Wednesday night. You can get on board and play that game with me. Last week, nobody picked Nick Troiano, which was a hard one. Grace tried, and she at least posted something, and she said, I got nothing, not even one guess. Well, Nick is a guy who's a little bit below the radar, but I hope added some value to your content consumption for the week. And if you haven't heard that episode, go back and check it out. I will bring you guests that you might not have heard of, but you should hear from. And next week, I will share who guessed correctly Michael Steele after I posted a photo of him blurred out with Gail King. You can also find out more while you're online at independentamericans.us. If you've never never been there, go check it out and tell your mother to check it out. 
You can also support this show by joining our Patreon community. Big shout out to our Patreon members. Thank you for supporting this work. You get exclusive content. You got a sneak preview on Michael Steele. You'll get early access to information and to possible events and to online stuff. All for our patrons, but they keep it going. Thank you for continuing to support this work. And remember to check me out every Thursday in the 11 o'clock Eastern hour for my weekly segment with News Nation's Marnie Hughes. We talk about national security, vets, and political stuff. You can find News Nation on your cable dial. Go to newsnation.com or look for the app. And hit me up on all the social media platforms. Subscribe right now. And please take a minute to ask your mom to subscribe or any mom you know or all the moms in your life. Tell them to subscribe to Independent Americans right now. Mother's Day is here, and this Mother's Day, as in all Mother's Days, we should also take a minute to salute and celebrate our collective mother, Mother Earth. Climate change is an issue that doesn't get talked about enough on this show or anywhere. But there's a time of year, especially around May, when I think we can reflect on how valuable and important our Mother Earth is. And I've talked about on social media and maybe on this show an attack that's happened in my community on our little piece of Mother Earth, Wagner Park. It was kind of like our community backyard, a green space that me and my kids and all the people in our neighborhood really relied on. And this week, we lost. This week, we lost a fight to developers, and they put a big wall around our park, and they started demoing it. Yeah, this is a local issue most folks haven't heard of, but I want you to know about it. Because this is what happens when local communities and families get steamrolled by non-elected representatives and greedy developers and ignored by electeds. Our community park is being destroyed. The trees that our kids used to climb are being destroyed. And a wall is what our kids are going to see outside their school until 2026. There's lots to be learned. A lot of lessons that my mother would have taught me and I would want to teach others, but most of all, that good organizing and advocacy works. But often, maybe more often in America, so does big money and greed. Our organizing was small. It was late. It was weak. They were big, they were patient, and they were rich. And to overcome those odds, organizers have to be exceptionally creative, disciplined, and tireless. They just ground us down. And now the trucks are rolling and the trees are gone. And we lost this one. But I hope that our lessons learned will help others win other fights. The kids mobilized in support of their park. Mothers and fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers all rallied. And sometimes the good guys do lose. But we don't have to give up. We don't have to let the bastards get us down. So keep fighting always and stick together as often as you can that's what my mother would have told me and what i want to tell you onward and this mother's day all you mothers are the future and all you mothers are the future too because independents are the future. 
and we're not alone in our independence. America's more divided than ever, but this Mother's Day, we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change that, adding light to contrast the heat of all the other political shows and to bring you the five eyes: independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And if you're among the now 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show too. This is your mother's show. This is your mother's friend's shows. This is a show for all the mothers in your life who are concerned about America and the future of this country. All are welcome here. And I invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. Because our independent movement, just like the mothers of this country, are the hope for the future. Country over party, light over heat, blowing up the status quo and fueling a new movement that spans all across our society. A movement that is growing this Mother's Day. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Michael Steele. If you did, please share it far and wide. Share it with your mom or any moms in your life and invite everyone to declare their independence. And stay vigilant, my friends, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And hope is the oxygen of democracy. It's what my mom taught me. And she taught me to be vigilant So know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant, and we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and stay vigilant, America. Media.